1: Where does the madness stop? Well, as long as you disregard God's Word, guess what? It never stops.
0: Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's core truth.
1: Okay, well, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. I entitled this message, Extending Our Life. Isn't that something that we'd all like to do? Kind of extend our life? Live a little bit longer? As long as life is sweet, I guess. Who wants to live a long, miserable life, right? Or one that's filled with pain and sorrow? but yet on this side of heaven, most of us have had to endure seasons of pain. We've had to endure times of hardship. We've had to endure uh, periods of great difficulty, times that have pushed some of us to our limits, being challenged to the, the core of our souls. Yes, some have been pushed further than we thought we could even bear. Yet as believers... As Christians, it's nice to know that we don't have to endure all that life can throw at us alone. We don't have to hang on to our own limited strength. For God has promised to never leave us or forsake us. He's promised to always walk by our side. The Bible tells us in Psalm 94 verse 14, it says, For the Lord will not abandon his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance. He also said in Psalm 9, verse 10, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Yes, no matter what happens in life, problems that we brought on upon ourselves, or circumstances that we had no control over, God will never leave us or abandon us. And we can always fall on his mercies. We can always come back to him when we have failed. We can always entrust our unknown future to him because he's an all-knowing God. And it's good to know, again, why? For none of us can predict our future. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. But we do know this. We know the one who holds our tomorrows in his hands. So while we're on again, this side of heaven, it's always good to embrace all that God has told us so that we can extend our life, so that we can embrace a life filled with the goodness of God. Yet, many people only make healthy choices to extend their life, you know, to live longer, you know, like they might change their diet to eating more vegetables, uh, those stop smoking, or they'll say, I need to exercise more, or or putting on sunscreen out in the sun. And they will try to manage their blood pressure by diet and controlling their stress. Yes, we know that these things can all help. In fact, studies have proven that these things can help. In fact, there's five things that I found on the internet that are kind of odd that can help extend your life. Now, we know everything on the internet is true, right? Oh, but anyway, just saying. But here's the top five things that I thought were a little odd. It says, by eating, number one, eating dark chocolate, that will extend your life because it's full of antioxidants, okay? So, all right, well, that's good because I love dark chocolate covered almonds from sea's candy. So I'm only eating them to extend my life. Okay. Just trying to do a healthy move here. Okay. In the midst of my double cheeseburgers. Okay. Uh, Number two, it says laughing will help your life. Extend it. Norwegian scientists said incorporating humor in our lives can add, listen, up to eight more years of life. Okay. I'm good with that. Number three, Researchers found those who worked longer live longer. Those who retired early live less. How crazy is that? So many people these days want to make their money and retire early. It's like, well, you're going to cut your life short. I think it's good to be busy. In fact, as a pastor, I don't see how I could ever, you know, just retire. I guess I just preach until I drop. I don't know. Number four, it says don't live in the South, like states like Mississippi or Alabama. Now, you know, my youngest daughter just moved to Alabama, her and her husband, to start Jesus City Church. And so, but let me tell you, we've gone to visit them. And this is why they have the highest uh, death rate And in a sense of you don't live as long there. It's because they fry their food. So they fry everything. And when they fry it, they fry it again. And when, when they fry it the second, no, fry it a third time. Everything is just fried to death there, okay? So they don't eat healthy in the South. And number five, it says start flossing. It helps remove bacteria, which can negatively impact your heart. So there you go. That's the top five odd things that'll extend your life. But besides all of those things, and us trying to figure out how we can live longer ourselves, there is one steady way that we could all extend our lives, and that's having a true faith in God. For people of faith live longer than people that have no faith. After reviewing 42 independent studies, Michael E. McCullough of the National Institute of Healthcare Research, he found this, that those with faith live longer than those without faith. How about that? Yes, seeking after and living according to what God has told us directly affects the quality of our life, this side of heaven. And I believe that's true. Because when I came to know Christ, I stopped bonging. I stopped taking speed. I stopped drinking. I stopped doing this reckless lifestyle. And so it's like, maybe that's one of the reasons right there. But the Bible says this. And God points this principle out to all of us in his word. He says in Proverbs 3.1, he says, My son, my daughter, do not forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. How about that? That's from God himself. Deuteronomy 440 said this, So you shall keep God's statutes, his commandments, which I am giving you today, Moses said, that it may go well with you, with you and your children after you, and that you may live long on the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Yes, it's a fact. Living a life that desires to please God by keeping his commandments will have a direct effect on how long you physically live. Yes, when we choose to obey the laws that God has established, the bottom line is this, you're just going to stinking live longer. Amen to that. As we continue in our mini series on the 10 commandments, the law of God, we have already looked at the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments. Today, we will focus on commandment number five and commandment number six. It's interesting to note, out of the Ten Commandments, the fifth commandment is the only one that has a promise attached to it. Now, if we obey it, it says our lives will be prolonged. So it says in Exodus chapter 20, picking up in verse one, this is the first recording of the Ten Commandments. It says, verse one, Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the water under the earth. And you shall not worship them or serve them for I the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse seven, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him or her unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 6 days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath for the Lord your God. And in it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male or your female servant or your cattle or the sojourner who stays with you. Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. Verse 12. Honor your father and mother. We're going to look at this today. And your days will be prolonged in the days in which the Lord, uh, your God gives you. Verse 13, you shall not murder. We're going to look at that today too. Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife and you shall, or his servants or his female servants or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Well, we'll stop there. That's reading in context The Ten Commandments as God has recorded it in the Bible. So let's separate them again, just in simplicity and in order here. So the first commandment is found in verse 3 You shall not have any other gods before me. The second commandment is found in verse 4 and 5 You shall not make or worship any image. Some churches have many statues inside of them. And some mainline denominations have actually deleted the second commandment because it doesn't go along with their narrative. But it doesn't change. That's the second commandment. Number three is found in verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Many people will say, oh, GD, and what have you. God says, you're not going to be unpunished for that. I'm going to come back. That's going to come back on you. Uh, The fourth commandment is found in verse eight. You shall remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Number five is found in verse 12. You shall honor your father and your mother. The sixth commandment is found in verse 13. You shall not murder. Those are the two we're looking at today. The commandment number seven is found in verse 14. You shall not commit adultery. Commandment number eight is found in verse 15, you shall not steal. Commandment number nine is found in verse 16, you shall not bear false witness. And the 10th commandment is found in verse 17, you shall not covet. So let's read once again uh, verse 12. And that's where we find uh, the commandment, the fifth commandment. And that's in verse 12, it says, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God has gives you. Well, yes, we are to honor our father and our mother. But what does that really mean? For if we all had parents that were there for us, parents that nurtured and cared for us with great love, I guess it would be, you know, it would prove itself pretty easy to honor them. But some of us did have parents like that. My parents loved me when I was growing up, They cared for me. I don't ever remember once when I was six years old thinking about how am I gonna make the house payment this month here? I never thought about that. I wasn't consumed with worry about the electric bill when I was seven years old. I wasn't anxiety filled at eight years old about putting food on the table for my parents did all of that. My dad was a hardworking man. My mom was a good mother, but that all changed when I turned 16. That's when my parents said, I'm sick of each other. And that's said that They were done with each other. So they divorced. And that's when I started living on my own. My mom moved away. My dad moved away and I was on my own. That's when my parents, they started over with someone else. So they got married again with other people and they focused on, well, their lives that left me pretty bitter. In fact, I was extremely bitter. In fact, I made a decision, I will never see them again. This happened, obviously, back in the 70s. There was no cell phones. They didn't know where I worked. They didn't know how to get a hold of me. They didn't know where I lived. So it was easy to write them off. And in my mind, I was just like, I'll never see them again. Now, at first, you know, when they first got divorced, i was thinking like, you know, this isn't the worst thing that ever happened. Because I found myself with no one to answer to. So I can stay out all night. I can party. I can do whatever I want. I can be out till two or three o'clock in the morning. And that's what I did. And that's when I found the freedom that I had found led to bondage because now I was in bondage to all these things that I was entrapped to. You know, again, I realized pretty quick that there was consequences to my actions and all the poor decisions that I was making. That's when the black hole of emptiness set inside of my heart. That's when I realized how much having parents could actually be a good thing if they were actually being parents. Having you home, having a curfew. No, you're not gonna do this. I didn't have any of those things. But I had to figure those things out for myself on my own, and I wasn't doing a very good job at it. Yet, what started out as the worst-case scenario, me destroying my life, me feeling like by the time I reached 18, I had to reach up to touch the bottom, that was the very thing that God used to literally drive me to Christ, the one who promised to never leave me like my parents left me. The Bible says in Psalm 2710, for my father and my mother have forsaken me but the Lord will take me up. And I learned that at a very young age. And I was like, wow, Lord, I can really rely on you. But whether you had loving and stable parents, or you had parents that abandoned you, or maybe you fell somewhere in the middle. Maybe you were adopted. You don't even really know who your real parents were. There is a principle that God establishes here in his word, that we are to honor our parents, you're to honor those that were step parents. So anyone who was that parental person in your life, you were to honor them. Honor means to respect them. God absolutely knows how vitally important the family structure is for a civilized society. That's why God created it to be so. The United Nations back in 1948, they drew up a declaration for human rights. And it clearly stated that the family is the natural and fundamental group unit of society for a society that works. This is why God established the family all the way back in the beginning. He established a family in Genesis chapter 2. That's, uh, you can't go much farther back than that because Genesis 1, well, he was a little busy creating, well, the universe, okay? So chapter 2, he creates the family. But now, in our 21st century of man taking God and moving him aside, where a man feels that he can run culture and society better than God could, God has kicked God out to the side. That's why the United States has excommunicated God. And that's why we're in the mess that we are today. And man's been running things. The handwriting has been on the wall for a long time. Let's get rid of God. Let's do whatever we want. And we'll have a liberal world order without God. So yes, as we can see today, what happens when we embrace man's wisdom over God's established word and what his commandments are, because this is what's happened. Man has moved God out, God has moved the commandments out, and now man is running things his way, and that's why we are such a mess. And we can see every indicator in society going in the wrong direction now. Can we not see this? People protesting, saving babies in the womb. So they're protesting the fact that Roe versus Wade was overturned. Praise Jesus for that, by the way. Again, you know, this is where man's, you know, decisions takes us. Homicides are increasing at alarming rates with man running things in his new liberal world order. Crime is increasing across the board. We have the highest inflation we've had in 40 years. And now we allow kindergartners to choose their own gender. This is all craziness. Where does the madness stop, you might wonder? That's a good question. Where does the madness stop? Well, as long as you disregard God's word, guess what? It never stops. It doesn't stop. It only gets worse as we distance ourselves from the truth of God's word. Yes, the importance of the family unit has been removed. You know, this started way back in the 70s. You know, I grew up in the 60s. And again, in the 60s, I never heard of anyone getting a divorce. All my friends, nobody, their parents were getting a divorce. Nobody, not to say that there wasn't divorce in the 60s, but there was very little of it. But then we rolled into the 70s and divorce started ravaging our country as my parents got divorced in 1975. Now, as we consider what the fifth commandment means, think about the first four commandments for a moment. The first three had to do with God and God alone to have no other gods before him, mainly because, well, there is no other gods. That doesn't mean that there's not other power influences out there. You know, the Bible says that Satan was cast out of heaven. Why? Because he tried a mutiny over God. So the only other power source outside of God is Satan, who is a spiritual being. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall to the earth like a lightning bolt. And that's exactly what happened to him. He got the royal boot after he tried his mutiny. It didn't work. But he is powerful and he is a an angel and he lives in a spiritual body so if you see anything that happens that's kind of weird or there was another power source or something moves or this or that or whatever it's because satan's doing it so people could be worshiping this false god or a rock or whatever and something happens well that's just because satan made it happen there is no other gods and the second commandment is to not make or worship any image again there's People want to worship images. They, people have things around their neck. And they have little things they hang on their mirror. You know, they have little uh, idols that they worship. And God says, don't make any image. The third commandment, uh, to not use the name of the Lord in vain. But what does that actually mean? We are never to use God's name in an empty or an insincere way. Then we started to transition out of just God alone into the fourth commandment. And that's to have a day that is set aside to worship the Lord and to rest. But now we come to the fifth commandment and it relates exclusively to every single person. For all of us has a father and a mother. Whether you knew them or not, I don't know, but we all had a father or mother or we wouldn't be here today. Some of them were great, some were not so great. You know, some we might know, some we don't know, some have passed away, but we all have them. And because of the erosion of the family unit, many have divorced. And broken marriages means what? Broken families follow. Broken people follow. When you break a marriage, you break the family, you break the children, you break everything. This is one reason why we have so many children that have grown up wild and really uncontrollable. Some have no respect for their parents. For others, their parents were also products of the very same thing and they've just repeated uh, in their homes what's happened to them. Like you would think, if someone was raised in a broken home and their parents got divorced, you'd think they would raise up and say, I am never gonna get divorced because this is how much it messed me up. But no, that's not what happens. They get married and then they get divorced and the horrible cycle continues on. This is why if you're having troubles in your marriage here today, you're not alone. A lot of people have problems in their marriage. But understand, God hates divorce, and that's why we're here to help you. This is one of the main reasons why God established the church. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. It means a gathering together, and that's what we're doing here today. We've done it for three services, gathering together. And this is good, and I'm glad that you're here. But understand, the church is here for so many more reasons than just gathering together here on Sunday. I I said, look, the existence of our church cannot be based on just renting someplace because the rents are going to continue to go out of control and it's going to be very hard to have a sustained church. So I thought pretty early on, Lord, somehow, somewhere we need to buy a building. So I was sharing this with other pastors and they said, you're not going to be able to buy a building in Los Angeles, it's millions of dollars. You're not going to be able to do that. You should just rent you know, an auditorium or rent something from a school, a cafeteria or something like that and that's it. And I'm like, no. That's not what I want to do. If God called me here, he knows how much it costs to do business here. So it's like, I want a church. I want a place where people can come. But why do I share this? Because I wanted a church that was a physical place so that if you're having difficulties in your marriage... And you're having a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can get in your car and you can drive to this parking lot, you can walk in and talk to a pastor. That's right. That's what we're here for. You're having problems with a disaster teenager. You're having a problem, you know, in your singleness and you don't know where to turn. You know, you're having a problem with, you know, a breakup, this, that, and whatever. Listen, get in your car and come here. You can walk in and just sit down and talk to a pastor that we can apply the truth of God's word into your life. And listen, speaking in, you know, this isn't part of the notes here, but, you know, speaking of marriage here for just a second here, you know, it's like one of the problems that we have with marriage counseling, let me tell you the problem. Here's the biggest problem that we have with marriage counseling. Not any of the problems that you could have because we've heard them all, but it's like the problem is you come in too late. Like, you know, your marriage counseling usually comes in about two or three years late, Meaning you should have been here two or three years ago when things started coming off the rails, when th- problems were sur- first arising. By the time we get you three years later, you're ready to kill each other, you know? We need to set up an octagon here in the you know, sanctuary so you can get in there and thrash it out. But no, listen, it's like come in when you first start having problems. And listen, marriage is work. You understand that. Marriage is work. It- isn't everything work? Do you have a lawn? You have to mow it. You got to water it. You got to edge it. You got to fertilize it. It's work. Do you have a house? It's work. You have to keep it clean. You got to clean the bathrooms. You got to vacuum the carpet. You got to wipe the counters down. Look, everything's work. No matter what you do. If you want a garden, it's work. Everything in life is work. Do you have a car? It needs maintenance. You have to change oil. Now listen, you can get a new car and you can drive it into the ground, but after a while, you don't change that oil. It's going to turn to tar and you're gonna, it's going to cost the engine. So you have to change your oil. You have to change the air filter. You, it, it's maintenance. It's like marriages need work and they need maintenance. They need a tune-up. And it's like God expects us to do some maintenance and some work.
0: Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to Pastor and Bible Teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app And online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034.